Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Canadian Patriot Radio. Today is February 11th, 2021, and I am your host, Critch. So what are we doing today, my friends? We are going to look at um, more of the rollout that seems to be kind of surfacing of these vaccination passports. We got a couple of uh, verifying articles that uh, indeed tip us off that uh, this is the plan for the globalists, that they are going to try to limit our travel through this uh, this ma- uh, mandating this vaccine. Uh, we've got, uh, for, star- for those of you that are Star Wars fans, you got some interesting news that happened today. Gina Carraro got fired from The Mandalorian. We're going to cover that because what she said uh, was very interesting. Um, we also got countries that are banning um, the COVID vaccine. So, or heavy air quotes vaccine. I'm going to start saying that because uh, it's not a vaccine at all. It's gene therapy like we've talked about in previous shows. So, without, with all that being said, what I wanted to open with was I wanted to... Uh, I got a good little clip sent to me by Chef. Uh, the Northumberland Rise Up folks are uh, getting together to do a line drive, and uh, I want to pass it off to Todd here and let him tell you what it's all about. Hello, everybody out there on Facebook and wherever you might be watching. This is Todd with Northumberland Rise Up, as well as Todd with rise up news uh what we've got going on is on the 21st that's going to be sunday the 21st of february uh, we're going to be hosting our own drive the line event within the northumberland rise up group now i'm hoping i can get everybody to come out anybody who can as far as the peterborough rise up community durham uh hugs over mask anybody who can come and be a part of this i know um the line canada will be doing their own uh drive the line outside of toronto so anybody who's local to the coburg northumberland area who wants to take part What's going to happen is on the uh, Sunday, the 21st of February, we're going to be meeting at the Burnham Street car parking lot for everybody who's familiar. That is the car parking lot we all met at before we did our bridge protest over the highway a couple of weeks ago. So we're going to all meet there for 1130. If everybody could be there at 1130, that would be fantastic. And we're going to be heading out at noon, uh, noon sharp. So please be there at noon sharp. Now, Josh is going to be the head of our convoy, so he's got the map of where we're going to go down pat. And he just gave me a quick Google map to kind of show you the area what you're going to be covering. Hopefully, you guys can see this on the camera. Uh, I'm going to be starting in the Coburg area, and I and there's basically this large loop that we're going to be doing. Um, I'm not too sure which way he wants to go. If he wants to go Gore's Landing, Harwood, Alderville, uh, you know, up to Campbellford, down to Brighton and across. Uh, but Josh will be leading the convoy and he will be leading us to where we're going to go. So what we're going to do is we're going to hit all these key areas along the way. We're going to stop. So let's say we're going to we leave from Coburg and we go to Port Hope. We're going to stop in Port Hope for 15 minutes. We're going to get out with our signs, our flags, and we're going to rally in support of ending the lockdown that is the message that we want to convey End the lockdown let's get back to business again let's stay away from anything mask related or vaccine related all those problems are stemming from the lockdown so let's focus on ending the lockdown and go from there so let's try to keep our message unified so uh, then we're gonna get back in our cars we're gonna warm up we're gonna drive a little bit farther up to Gore's Landing again get out do our 15 minutes of protesting there, get back in and continue along this route. It's probably going to take us about three and a half hours or so. Um, please bring warm clothing. It is probably going to be cold. Uh, please bring 
Uh, signs, if you have signs, that would be great. Pre please bring uh, flags if you have flags. If you're able to decorate your vehicle and have flags on your vehicle, signs on your vehicle, whatever, that would also be uh, totally awesome. But I am asking everybody from uh, Peterborough Rise Up, Durham, I mean, anybody, anywhere who wants to come and join us, please, please come and join us. Let's make this a large concession of vehicles. Uh, let's make ourselves seen. Again, let's stay away from anything mask-related or anything vaccine-related. I think we all know where we stand personally on that, but it is a divisive topic. And if we can just end the lockdown, end the lockdown, end the lockdown, we'll have a much better success, I think, at getting through to people because the vaccines and... Uh, and the mask seem to be kind of a stalemate with some people. That's just as soon as they hear your anti-mask, boom, the conversation's over. They don't want to listen to you. So let's try and keep it all on the same message. Again, this is just a, a crummy drawing of mine to show you the route that we're going to be taking. Um, so yeah, it's going to be last time I'll say this is February 21st. That's a Sunday. We're going to be leaving from the Burnham Street car parking lot over by the hospital in Coburg. We're going to meet at 1130 and plan to leave for noon. Uh, we're going to title this the NRU Drives the Line event. Please bring flags. Please bring signs. Please wear warm clothing. Obviously, we're going to have our cars there, which is going to make it nice. 15 minutes, even in the cold, and then we jump back in our cars. That's going to be awesome. Uh, bring yourself some coffee if you want. Of course, there's Tim Hortons and all that stuff along the way. So we definitely will be stopping for Tim Hortons. Stop like that i'll have that big and the lockdown banner i've got that other thelinecanada.com banner i'll be bringing as well but let's make this a successful event and please please if you can attend or you need more information uh, you can email me at todd a noel at live.ca that's t-o-d-d-a-n-o-e-l at l-i-v-e .ca for any more information but let's make this a very successful drive the line event and i want to take this opportunity to thank joshua for coming up with the idea and i want to thank everybody who's going to participate and i also want to thank all our members for being just amazing these uh these past cold um saturdays out in front of coburg we've been putting up with the cold and everybody's been super great and it seems like the tide is shifting in our favor so again february the 21st sunday meeting at 11:30, leaving at 12 from the burnham street car park flags banners dress up your car uh, warm clothes coffee all that good stuff and i hope we see you there uh, for the northumberland rise up version of drive the line thank you so much talk to you later so uh, there you have it. Um, thanks, Chef, for pointing that uh, to me. Um, and thanks, Todd, for, for the information. As you can tell, uh, being even though we're out west, uh, we support our Patriot brothers out east. And uh, these guys are working tirelessly uh, getting the message out uh, to end the lockdowns. And I like how Todd um, uh, narrowed it down. You know, let's, let's focus on the actual lockdown aspect of it and not create any uh, divisiveness in, in, in between ourselves so uh clever strategy todd and uh so all of you that are in in the area that todd had mentioned please uh if you can go support and be a part of this it would be great to see uh these guys like i said are, are working tirelessly they're out every weekend protesting the lockdowns and uh here at cpr we follow exactly what they're doing and uh as you can tell we support everything that they're doing and uh it, there will come a time when uh, east will meet west um so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, anyway, um, just wanted to share that for every, all the Eastern Patriots that listen to CPR, especially if you're in the area, uh, make sure you make it out uh, with the fellas on the weekend. Anyway, let's get this show started. We'll be right back. So what should I call you? Should I call you uh, 
bullet, a tooth, you can call me Susan if it makes you happy. There are times in life when being tough comes in handy. Say some geezer collapses in front of you. What do you do? We need a volunteer that ain't breathing. Here's one I made earlier. First thing you do is you check him over. If he ain't responsive or he ain't breathing, or he's making noises like this. Climate change is real. There is no evidence of election fraud. The Canadian Liberals are doing a great job. Then his heart will stop working, he's having a cardiac arrest. Look lively. First call 999. Then you do hands-only CPR and no kissing. You only kiss your missus on the lips. Watch. Lock your fingers together, knuckles up. Then push down, right on the sovereign. Push down five or six centimetres. That's about two inches in old money. Push hard and fast about two times a second. Like to the beat of staying alive. Worried you'll hurt him? Better a cracked rib than him kicking the bucket. Keep this up till the ambulance arrives. So don't forget, check him over. Call 999, push hard and fast to staying alive. It works. Hands only CPR. He ain't as hard as it looks. A Russian? Well, to be technical, he's an Uzbekistanian, but... Uzbekistanian? I've been dealing with those sneaky Russian dogs. <laughs> Give me a name. No, oh, no. Boris. Boris the Blade? Yeah. As in Boris the Bullet Dodger. Why do they call him the Bullet Dodger? Because he dodges bullets heavy. <laughs> okay, welcome back, everybody. Um... What we're going to do is we're just going to jump right into it here, and I want to get into these. Uh, uh, one sec, I got to adjust this mic. There, that's better. I want to get into these articles uh, talking about uh, <clears throat> the COVID nineteen passport because it gets under my skin. And I guess I, before we get into these articles, I just wanted to mention too. Uh, <clears throat> I like how, like Todd was saying, they're they're going to focus on the, uh, you know, the lockdowns. They're not going to get into. Uh, you know, masking or anti-masking or, or the vaccines. But over here on CPR, we love to dissect that stuff. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all everybody that's listening to it, I, I know is like-minded. Um, I just wanted to say that it, it's, uh, it's a clever approach. I, I, I appreciate what the guys out uh, in the Northumberland Rise Up are doing. Um, it, you know, we've, we've seen it. Um, We've seen exactly how uh, they can do that, uh, how they can split split you amongst uh, amongst yourselves. They did it with uh, the trucking convoy that came from west to east um, <clears throat> initially, and and how they did it was they they infiltrated through uh, basically the yellow vest movement, and uh, they managed to split, uh, get people arguing amongst themselves. So I just I just wanted to note that Todd, that's a really clever approach to keep everybody on the same point. You might all be like-minded, uh, you know, everybody that's in the convoy might all be like-minded and have the exact same views, but it only takes a few to, to split that group apart. Anyway, <clears throat> I just wanted to mention that too, because that came, came to mind when Todd was speaking. So anyway, let's get to this first article, and this is our absolute favorite um, news. It's the CBC, so you can just imagine how this article is going to be written. And the title is Iceland's COVID-19 passport offers preview of debate over post-vaccine travel. Canada's territories say it's too early to discuss whether vaccinations would reopen travel. This is by John Last, 
uh, posted February 10th, 2021. <clears throat> Iceland recently became the first country in Europe to issue and recognize COVID-19 vaccination certificates. Now, I just want to stop there for a minute. I've never once ever heard Iceland being uh, included in Europe. Have you guys? That That's new to me. I always thought Iceland was completely independent. Uh, but whatever there, John Last, which hopes which it hopes will allow vaccinated individuals to travel freely within its borders and abroad. Since early in the pandemic, the island nation has required a minimum five-day quarantine for international arrivals. Now, those with documentation showing they have received a full course of COVID-19 vaccines will be able to skip quarantine. The The idea has some currency already. Sweden and Denmark are... Reported, reportedly developing their own digital certificates for post-vaccine travel. Whether Iceland's certificates are actually recognized will be up to other countries, but there are some parallels between Iceland's experience and the future faced by some lucky Canadians. Iceland expects to vaccinate the majority of adults by mid-2021, months ahead of its neighbours. Residents of Nunavut, Yukon and the Northwest Territories are expecting the same. That means a greatly reduced risk that the territory's limited health systems will be overtaxed by COVID-19 cases and a greater challenge justifying their quarantines, which are making it harder to attract skilled workers and gutting the, uh, the vital tourism sector. Could COVID certificates, could vaccine certificates be part of travel inside Canada? While the answer isn't totally clear yet, there are reasons to think Iceland's experiment would meet a chilly reception here. Iceland less cautious. Iceland has generally been less cautious than the rest of the world when it comes to COVID-19. It allowed for a shorter quarantine period than most, and it issued similar certificates for those who had recovered from COVID-19 on the assumption, which has been questioned, that people could not contract the disease twice. The introduction of vaccination certificates has been no less controversial partly because health authorities stress there is still evidence available vaccines prevent a person from carrying the coronavirus and infecting others. Uh, Still little evidence available vaccines prevent a person from carrying the coronavirus and infecting others. Yeah, we already know. Uh, You know, we were, uh, on the last show, we were going through uh, basically people that had died uh, (laughs) from the the COVID vaccine that that had already had it. And, uh, you know, it even comes from the, the makers themselves, like Pfizer, BioNTech, uh, say you can still get it. You can still get it and pass it. So, I mean, this, this passport is nothing short of just straight up uh, fascism, which, you know, you guys are all well aware of. For Iceland certificates to matter, they will need to get buy-in from their 25 neighbors in Europe, Europe's free travel zone. That's not going to be easy. EU leaders have yet to have yet been unable to come to a common position on the certificates despite interest from the tourism hungry nations like italy spain and greece those countries have the support of the industry like the international air transport association the united nations world tourism organization and the european travel commission it's a top priority that that travel becomes hassle-free again says pascal prince the chair of the commissioner uh, the chair of the commission's cha- uh, Canadian chapter. Vaccine passports would be a complementary tool. 
Uh, well, let's just step out for a minute. Uh, it's a top priority that travel becomes hassle-free again. When you're flying, since since 9-11, travel has never not been hassle-free since 9-11. I re- I'm old enough to remember pre-9-11 travel where you bought a ticket, you just showed it to the to the stewardess and you jumped on a plane. That was hassle-free travel. Now, every time that you get into an airport and you, uh, you have to get molested, uh, especially me because I have a hip replacement, so I've got titanium in my hip, so I'm setting off all the alarms and I've got to get groped or get uh, uh, x-rayed <laughs> every single time I go through the airport, which before COVID was quite a bit. I fly quite regularly, so... Uh, hassle-free, that's just a, that's just a joke or a myth. I don't know what, uh, Pascal Prinz is actually talking about. But some of Iceland's neighbors have been turned off by some unresolved legal questions. While international health regulations allow states to request proof of vaccination against certain diseases, such as yellow fever, COVID-19 is not currently among them. Expanding that list would require a recommendation from the World Health Organization, experts say. Some countries like Germany and France have also raised concerns that the certificates may be discriminatory. Even the UK, which funded eight company eight companies' efforts to design a digital COVID-19 passport, now says it has no plan to use them for international travel. Canadian groups raised similar objections. Cara Zwiebel, director of the Canadian Civil Liberties Association Fundamental Freedom Freedoms Project, says certificates could discriminate against pregnant mothers and children who are still discouraged from getting the COVID-19 vaccines in some places or against certain religious groups or other conscientious, conscientious objectors. There are real equality concerns if we're going to start doling out benefits and demerits based on who is vaccinated, she said. The Public Health Agency of Canada didn't respond to questions about Iceland's passports in time for publication. But in the north, where residents can expect to be immunized months ahead of the other places, health authorities still caution that barrier-free travel, even within Canada, is unlikely anytime soon. Mike Westwick, a spokesperson for the Northwest Territories Chief Public Health Officer, says health authorities would need to be convinced that the vaccine prevents transmission of COVID-19, and right now they aren't. Well, at least there's somebody still thinking in there. (laughs) The lack of any common database to track travelers and their vacation status is another barrier, he wrote. Oh, boy. Oh, you can see where this is going. Oh, boy. This is opening up a whole can of worms. We are going to track exactly where you go, where you stay, what you spend. I can see where this is going right now. There needs to be... A lot of thinking on how to structure any tracking system, he wrote in an email. We are not going there yet as a country. This means for now, officials in all three territories said proof of vaccination would not mean easier travel for anyone. The Northwest Territories 14-day quarantine remains in place even for those who have received a full dose of vaccines, according to a spokesperson for the Department of Health and Social Services. Immunization cards can't be used as proof for travel or other purposes. Similarly, similarly, Nunavut's health authorities said in a statement, it's too early to make any decisions or changes to travel or quarantine rules. But whatever the objections, the the debate over COVID-19 passports is not going away. 
Denmark, and S- Denmark, Sweden, and Israel may soon join Iceland in rolling out their own vaccination passport system. Even, in the Euro- even the European Commission, which called discussion of travel certificates premature in a recent uh, communique, says as vaccination campaigns accelerate, the mutual recognition of vaccination will become the utmost importance. Here in Canada, polling shows widespread support for tough new restrictions. I doubt it. They always say this. They always go to these polls that are, you know, they, they what? They maybe poll a thousand people that are absolutely terrified of COVID-19, and that's it. They always do this. The polls are always skewed. It gets me mad when you see that. It's the same game. They, they just play the same game over and over and over to get what they want. Oh, boy. Even as vaccination campaigns roll ramp up. But that hasn't stopped vaccinated Canadians living abroad, balking at the rules preventing their quarantine-free return. Ultimately, it's still too soon to say whether it's even safe for the vaccinated to be traveling across borders, and it will take more time still to figure out just how to manage it. So like so many other pandemic policies, this is a case of hurry up and wait. Um, Extremely troubling, to say the very least. So what we're going to do is we're just going to jump right over to the next article, um, which is from the U.S. And let's compare, let's compare what the U.S. is saying. Now that we've got basically a, a liberal majority in all of North America, um, let's let's compare how the notes start to line up here. I bet you we're going to notice some uh, some interesting uh, similarities between these two articles. Uh, okay, this one comes to us from Airline News. This is uh, USA Today. Uh, no writer listed, but it was published a, a little while ago, actually. November, the end of November. But anyway, international travelers may soon be required to get COVID-19 vaccination before flying. International air travel could come booming back next year, but with a new rule. Travelers to certain countries must be vaccinated against the coronavirus before they can fly. Encouraging news about vaccine development has given airlines and nations hope they may soon be able to uh, revive suspended flight routes and dust off lucrative tourism plans. But countries in Asia and the Pacific in particular are determined not to let their hard-won gains against the virus evaporate. In Australia, the boss of Qantas, the country's largest airline, said that once a virus uh, vaccine becomes widely available, his carrier will likely require passengers to use it before they can travel abroad or land in Australia. Qantas chief executive Alan Joyce says he's been t- talking on his, to his counterparts at other airlines around the world about the possibility of a vaccination passport for international travelers. We are looking at changing our terms and conditions to say for international travelers that we will ask people to have the vaccination before they get on the aircraft, Joyce told Australian News Network 9 Television. He said they were looking at ways to electronically verify that people had <clears throat> have the necessary vaccine for their intended destination, a difficult task. But certainly for international vis- visitors coming out, and people leaving the country. We think it that is a necessity, he said. So you see the similarities here. It's a digital passport. So it'll be interesting to see how so it'll be interesting to see how they roll this out. Like how are you going to prove digitally that you got it? So you're going to probably have an app that you get from Health Canada uh, on your phone that will uh, basically show what uh, a barcode or a 
and they can just scan it and say, yes, you've been vaccinated. That's, you know, you're seeing the similarities between two countries here talking about this. Now, this is an airline I get, uh, I guess three countries, because this is a U.S. paper. They're talking about Australia, and now we've compa- we're comparing the notes to Canada. And if I had to guess on what this digital passport would be, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a Health Canada app um, with some sort of... Uh, some sort of barcode or whatever you call those QR codes, I guess, that you can they can just scan and then, then away you go. So, anybody know any good hackers? Because <laughs> uh, uh, that's probably what you know. Hackers are are uh, fixing to make a ton of money when this rolls out. Let me just leave that right there. You can do the rest. <laughs> okay, where were we? South Korea's largest airline has a similar message. Jill Chung, a spokesperson for Korean Air, said Tuesday there's a real possibility that airlines will require that passengers be vaccinated. She said that's that's because governments are likely to require vaccinations as a condition for lifting quarantine requirements for new arrivals. While Korea Air is reviewing several possibilities for screening, any change by the company or other airlines would be the result of coordination with governments, Chung said. So there you go. You've got an admission that the airlines are working directly with the governments on this, which is whatever. They're usually funded by them anyway. This is not something for airlines to independently decide, she said. Air New Zealand echoed Chung's position. Ultimately, it's up to the governments to determine when and how it's safe to reopen borders, and we continue to work closely with authorities on this, Air New Zealand said in a statement. Australia, South Korea, and New Zealand have all managed to minimize the spread of the virus. They are seen internationally as success stories. Uh, that's changed, hasn't it? Um, any of my Aussie friends listening, uh, I, as far as I know, there is COVID now breaking out in Australia, but I could be wrong. Anyway, <clears throat> and a big part of their con- uh, containment effort has focused on keeping infectious, uh, infectious people out. Australia had imposed some of the most severe border restrictions in the world since the pandemic began. It had closed its borders to most international visitors and allowed its own citizens to travel internationally only under special circumstances. New Zealand has also closed its borders while South Korea has imposed a two-week quarantine on all arriving passengers. Australia, with 26 million people, has reported about 900 deaths since the pandemic began, fewer than many nations its size. South Korea, with 51 million people, has reported a little over 500 deaths, and New Zealand, with 5 million people, has reported just 25 deaths. Chung said there are already a variety of discussions with the industry to ensure safe travel during the pandemic. These include trials of Common Pass, an app endorsed by the World Economic Forum that aims to provide a standardized format for airlines to evaluate the coronavirus test results of passengers to determine whether they should travel. With the world coming closer to coronavirus vaccines and a negative tests and negative tests also becoming requirements for lifting travelers from self-quarantines in countries across the world, airlines are feeling the need for an effective system to screen passengers for vaccinations and tests, Chung said. Several companies have been testing possible virus vaccines with encouraging early results. Well, we don't really need to get into that because we already are past that. That is the end of that article. Interesting to see how they uh, they give you hints on on what they're going to do here, uh, how they're going to roll this out. And I like reading between the lines, um, especially with you guys on the show, because we can kind of put two and two together and plan and see what they're planning. So there's going to be an incredibly big black market for hackers, I think. 
<laughs> I think that's creating uh, really good employment opportunities, uh, you know, for, for guys that, you know, maybe are into uh, uh, coding and computer programming. Uh, I think you could probably uh, do quite well uh, with this. So anyway, not that I'm insinuating you should do that, but I'm just saying, you know, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's move on to the next one. Okay, I want to cover um, an interesting uh, revelation. Uh, the CDC screwed up really bad <laughs> the other day. And uh, <clears throat> this comes to us from uh, breakingnews.ca, an independent free press. And the title reads, CDC admits 98 million Americans were given cancer virus via the polio shot. Now, in that title, <clears throat> I just want to highlight the fact that they say cancer virus. Um, that's new. or sh You know, cancer as a virus is, is a very interesting thought pattern to go down. Um and the fact that uh, the CDC openly admits that. Um, and so what are we, the reason I'm bringing that up before we even get into this article is what are we starting to uncover uh, when it comes to COVID-19? Something that doctors, you know, in the last show, um, we listened to Dr. Lee Merritt talk about how doctors were unaware that they could treat viruses with anti antimicrobial agents, such as ivermectin, and they're having success treating viruses with that. So now when you think of terms of what the title we just read, cancer virus, what's to say that we couldn't tweak something like, let's say, oh, I don't know, ivermectin that seems to be successfully um, killing and curing uh, COVID-19. And what's to say we couldn't tweak that a little bit to maybe successfully kill, I don't know, a cancer virus? Just throwing that out there. Anyway, let's get into this. This was written February 10th, 2021. The CDC has admitted that between 1955 and 1963, over nine, uh, 98 million Americans received one or more doses of a polio shot, which was contaminated with a cancer-causing virus called simian uh, vacuolating virus 40, SV40. The CDC quickly took down the page along with Google, but the site was the site was lucky, luckily cached and saved to symbolize this grand admission. <clears throat> Okay, so now we just got, we've got basically a screenshot of the page, and uh, I'm going to read this to you. Uh, this is the CDC, Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Cancer, simian virus 40, SV40, and polio vaccine fact sheet. SV40 is a virus found in some species of monkey. SV40 was discovered in 1960. Soon afterwards, the virus was found in the polio vaccine. More than 98 million Americans received one or more doses of polio vaccine from 1955 to 1963 when a proportion of vaccine was contam contaminated with SV40. It has been estimated that 10 to 30 million Americans could have received an SV40 contaminated dose of the vaccine. SV40 virus has been found in certain types of cancer in humans, but it has not been determined that SV40 causes these cancers. Hmm. The majority of scientific evidence suggests that SV40 contaminated vaccine did not cause cancer. However, some research results are conflicting and more studies are needed. Polio vaccines being used today do not contain SV40. No, they just they just contain formaldehyde and mercury. 
<laughs> All of the current evidence indicates that polio vaccines have been free of SV40 since 1963. Okay, uh, additional facts. In 19, I don't know if these are worth reading, but we're going to read them. In the 1950s, rhesus monkey kidney cells, which contain SV40, if the animal is infected, were used in uh, preparing polio vaccines. Because SV40 was not discovered until 1960, no one was aware in the 50s that polio vaccine could have been contaminated. SV40 was found in the inject, uh, injected form of the polio vaccine IPV, not the kind given by mouth. Not all doses of IPV were contaminated. It has been estimated that 10 to 30 million people actually received a vaccine containing SV40. Some evidence suggests that recipients of SV40 contaminated polio vaccines may have increased risk of cancer. You think? <laughs> However, the majority of studies done in the U.S. and Europe which compare persons who receive SV40 contaminated polio vaccines with those who did not have shown no causal relationship between recipients of SV40 contaminated polio vaccines and cancer. Uh, yeah. Okay, to further confirm this unbelievable admission, Assistant Professor of Pathology at Loyola University in Chicago, Dr. Michelle Carbone, has been able to independently verify the presence of the SV40 virus in tissues and bone samples from patients who died during that era. He found that 33% of samples with osteoarcoma, bone cancers, 40% of other bone cancers, and 60% of the mesothelioma lung cancers all contained this obscure virus. This leaves the population that upwards of... This leaves the postulation that upwards of 10 to 30 million actually contracted and were adversely affected by this virus to be deadly accurate. Now, when you think about this, this is the what? This is from 1955 to 1963, and this is the polio vaccine um, that has just become common among vaccines in people. Uh, and you wonder why people don't trust <laughs> big pharma. When, when you start getting admissions like this, and then they cover it up, you know, they pull it down. Luckily, you know, the, the or, this organization uh, was able to catch it. Um, and they're covering it up. And the, the other thing about the, that drives me nuts about this with vaccines is the fact that they're not liable for any of it. You know, so it just, it's becoming more and more clear through all of this that uh, our best interests were definitely not behind any of this even all the way back to the polio vaccine interesting to say the very least and that rolls us into our next one which uh kind of fits perfectly after what i just said the title reads switzerland bans astrazeneca vaccine for all citizens as europe declares war on uk jab <laughs> Oh, Switzerland has made a shock move not to approve Oxford's AstraZeneca vaccine for use in its rollout of COVID jabs, published Wednesday, February 3rd, 2021. And this page will not work with me, so bear with me here. Oh, there, it started moving again. Okay. The decision makes it the only country in Europe not to authorize doses of the Ox Oxford-produced jab for use. 
The Swiss medical regulator claimed there was a lack of data to reach conclusions on the efficiency of the COVID-19 vaccine. Approval for the jab had been widely expected by many in Switzerland. Swiss Swiss medics said... For the vaccine from AstraZeneca, the data available and evaluated to date are not yet sufficient for approval. In order to obtain additional data on safety, uh, efficacy, and quality, data from new studies are required. The move runs counter to the decision made by the European Union drug watchdog, which Switzerland is not a member, to greenlight AstraZeneca's COVID jab last week. Well, it also makes you scratch your head at what who's regulating Canada. If Switzerland says there's not enough information out there about this AstraZeneca one, well, who, who decided to flip the switch in Canada? <laughs> Dr. Tranny Tam? Was, was she, he, the one that was like, no, no, it's all good. Just, just start jabbing all Canadians. But there is a growing list of EU countries refusing to allow the use of the vaccine in older people. Well, we know why on this show. (laughs) France, Germany, Italy, Sweden, and Poland have all advised against uh, use for people over a certain age. Swiss Medic said it will wait for further information from two clinical trials in North and South America before making a final decision. It has vowed to move swiftly once the data is available. Switzerland has approved the BioNTech, Pfizer, and Moderna coronavirus, heavy air quotes, vaccines for use. Despite its wealthy medical industry, uh, Bern has been sluggish with its attempts to roll out coronavirus jabs. It has only managed to administer 315,000 doses of vaccines at a rate of 3.64 per 100 people, despite a number of European countries Moving against the AstraZeneca vaccine, its makers continue to to defend the jab. Director Andrew Pollard of the Oxford Vaccine Group said people should be reassured that the vaccine is safe and producing a strong immune response for older people. He said, I think the first really important point is that the European Medicines Agency has approved the vaccine for use in all ages in all countries in Europe. Our regulator, the MHRA, has approved for all ages and another 25 or so regulators elsewhere in the world have also approved the vaccine for all ages. But individual countries have their own committees and they have to look at what vaccines they have available, what they make the data, what they make of the data and what is best for their population. And so that's obviously up to them. As Europe lags behind Britain's vaccine, Commission's boss Ursula von der Leyen accused the UK of cutting corners over safety. She said Britain had only managed to get a head start over the block after after compromising on safety and efficiency tests. The The Germans said leaving it late was the right decision, adding it's a gigantic responsibility. Britain secured a three-week head start over Brussels by taking responsibility for any future liabilities for vaccines. Ooh, that could backfire. Oh, my God. Uh, Downing Street said jabs were safe. I'm sure they are. <laughs> uh, every day, every time we do one of these shows, we highlight the fact that they just really aren't. <laughs> and I love how they're all just rolling with the whole vaccine rhetoric. You know, like it's not a vaccine, it's gene therapy. Like we know that now. It's not even a vaccine. 
there is no strand dead or alive of the virus in that whatever you're shooting into your body. <laughs> There's messenger RNA that's going to go mess with your DNA that's supposedly going to teach your body how to fight off the COVID vaccine or the COVID uh, virus, but what else is it going to do? Well, it's manipulating your cells. Hmm. Okay, let's uh, let's move on to the next one here, friends. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's cover uh, Gina Carano for all you Star Wars fans out there, myself included. Um, I I liked her. I really liked her in The Mandalorian. This is actually making me rethink uh, how much I really want to watch the series. I thought she was a perf. She was perfectly cast for for the for the character that she portrayed. So this pissed me right off as soon as I seen it. Now I was fully aware that Gina Carano was uh, uh, openly conservative. She was very outspoken on her social media on her views. Uh, of what was going on in the U.S. and I loved everything that she would put up. She was so you can just tell I'm a huge fan because, uh, you know, she's she's an outspoken conservative female, and now she has been fired for what she said. Geez, we don't know anything about that on CPR, do we? <laughs> Being censored for truth speak, man. So let's let's just get into this, and and as you can tell, I'm probably going to be stopping and throwing my two cents in lots with this. Gina Carano fired from The Mandalorian after social media post. This comes to us from the Associated Press uh, via CTV News. This was published today, February 11th, 2021. Los Angeles. Lucasfilm says Gina Carano is no longer a part of The Mandalorian cast after many online called for her firing over social media posts that likened the experience of Jews during the Holocaust to the U.S. political climate. A spokesperson with the production company said in a statement on Wednesday that Carano is not currently employed by Lucasfilms, Lucasfilm with no plans for her to be in the future. Nevertheless, her social media posts denigrating people based on their cultural and religious identities are abhorrent and unacceptable, the statement re read. Oh, please. Oh, they're just sickening. Carano fell under heavy criticism after she posted that okay now this is interesting this is very interesting and and as you guys know i'll have my two cents about this jews were beaten in the streets not by nazi soldiers but by their neighbors even children the actor continued to say because history is edited most people today don't realize that to get to the point where nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of jews the government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being jews how is that any different from hating someone for their political views is she wrong, my friends? Is she wrong? Fuck no, she's not wrong. She's bang on. And they don't like when you tell the truth like that, as we know. Watch me get banned from... <laughs> Watch me get a whole new string of bans for saying that. <laughs> but she's bang on. That is the true history of Nazi Germany. Uh, they turned neighbors on to... They basically outed the Jews. They made them wear the Star of David. So they singled them out. There was a way to, to identify them. And they turned everybody that was not Jewish uh, against them because they, they blamed them for absolutely everything. So she's not wrong. Uh, she's not wrong at all. So, you know, that statement that we, we, uh, that we heard from uh, Lucas Films... Nevertheless, her social media posts denigrating people based on their cultural and religious identities are abhorrent and unacceptable. That is absolutely not relevant to what she said. What, what kind of gibberish is that? What the hell are you trying to actually say there? She was pretty clear in what she said. 
Okay, let's carry on. Carano, who played the reoccurring character Cara Dune in on the Star Wars series, deleted the post, but was it was widely shared online and spurred the first Fire Gina, Gina Carano uh, hashtag to trend. Her character appeared in several episodes of the second season of The Mandalorian, a series about a bounty hunter and his quest to unite a powerful young user of the Force with a Jedi Knight. Dune, who is in the second season, is a law person on a front frontier planet, frequently teams up with the title character to, f- to fight an old nemesis, remnants of the evil galactic empire. That is so wrong. Holy crap. Whoever wrote this hasn't even watched the show. That's hor- That's horrible. What the? WTF. Carano, a former mixed martial artist whose Dune character used a mix of heavy weapons and her fists to best opponents, had been criticized for social media posts that mocked mask wearing during the pandemic and alleged voter fraud during the 2020 presidential election. She also mocked the use of gender pronouns listing beep, bop, boop in her social media bio. (laughs) Oh, it's just sickening. It's absolutely sickening to see them do this to a talented actress. But I, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not overly worried. I, you know, she's gonna find find a, uh, her place. Um, it just really sucks. She, she was really good on the show, and it just, it just goes to show the overreach here. And I, I'd be willing to bet that all the, that what you know, fire Gina Carano hashtag. I bet I'd be willing to bet that AI and bots were were one were. It was all pushed from one person that controlled. One person that controlled probably hundreds of thousands of bots. And how many people of those would you need to create a trend? Just because she speaks her mind and she has an opposing political view, she lost her job. You live in a free country. How's that sound right now? (laughs) Oh, it's getting ridiculous. It's getting ridiculous, but we were warned it was going to get like this, weren't we friends? Okay, we're going to cover a couple of troubling... Um, one's an article, another, another one's a clip and they both are, uh, extremely troubling. So if you have anybody under the age of 18, now would be the time to tell them to leave the room because we don't want to cover these with, uh, with them being present. So the next article comes to us from CTV news, and this is in Saskatoon and chef pointed this towards, uh, towards me. And, uh, I had actually seen it and it's pretty, pretty, pretty gross. And the title reads, 25-year-old woman charged with making and distributing child porn, bestiality, says Saskatoon police. This was published February 9th, 2021. Um, Doesn't give us a name of the author. Saskatoon, a 25-year-old woman is facing charges after an investigation by the Saskatoon Police Service Child Abuse Unit with assistance from the Saskatchewan Internet Child Exploitation Unit. On January 11th, police received a report that a child was a victim of sexual assault and images of her were being shared on social media, SPS said in a media release. According to SPS, the incidents of abuse are alleged to have taken place since December of 2019. The woman is facing nine charges, including sexual assault, committing a sexual offense against a child, making and distributing child pornography, and bestiality. The alleged victims are two girls aged four and two. SBS spokesperson Allison Edwards said the charge of bestiality is rare. The last time the charge was laid by an S- by SBS was over 20 years ago, according to Edwards. She said SBS has a clinical psychologist on staff to as- assist investigators when needed. <clears throat> now, uh, 
Uh, Day 9 Satan and me were talking about this last night and she was absolutely furious over it. And, and you know, uh, it got me back to some of my points. You know, uh, when we talk about people that abuse children, people that rob children of innocence, um, automatically, whether ma- male or female, should be neutered or spayed immediately. That shouldn't even be questioned. That should that should be without trial. You're going to get lined up. I guess I can't say that because I'm an advocacy for, for uh, justice. But that's what you should face. Uh, male or female, you should be looking at uh, uh, spayed or neutering. And then, then see where it goes. But, I mean, these these little girls were two and four. And they didn't release her name to protect the victims. Which is a little bit frustrating, I guess, in a way. Because she should be outed. Um, someone that's doing something like this should be outed. Everybody in the community should know who this person is. Uh, this is just sick. Absolutely sick. This is a twisted individual and uh, no sympathy for us. So... As more of this, if, if you guys find more of this or if I find more of this, we'll try and follow this up um, like we always do with these these cases. Now, um, another thing I want to direct your attention to is a video clip that uh, might shock you as well. We have two women that have come out um, basically with groping allegations against Hillary Clinton. So we'll play the clip and we will talk about this after. I want to send a message to every survivor of sexual assault. So when I first became a journalist, I was um, on the flight to Washington, D.C. to do an investigative story. And before the plane took off, I decided to go use the facilities. And I was getting ready to shut the door to the laboratory when suddenly a woman forced the door in and barged into the bathroom. And I was face to face with this stalking woman in a pantsuit with these great big shoulder pads. And she, she looked at me really strangely and then she grinned. And as soon as I saw these great big yellow teeth, I knew exactly who it was. And I was thinking, oh my God, this is Hillary Clinton. And uh, Miss Clinton then told me that she had something very, very important to give to me, but she wanted to do it in private. And being the aspiring young journalist that I was, I was like, absolutely, Miss Clinton, whatever you want to give to me. And so we talked for a couple of minutes. And at first, I just thought it was really strange because she just kept staring at my breasts the whole time. And the next thing I knew, she completely forced herself on me. And she ripped my blouse. She... She put her hands on my skirt and then just began groping me. Don't let anyone silence your voice. This is still very painful for me, which is why I'm sitting inside my house with sunglasses on. It's 1992. I was working for the Bill Clinton campaign in New York City. I'd gone to the office early in the morning to take in radio feeds. I was there all alone, in a dark, cold office. I was getting ready, doing my usual routine, when all of a sudden, Hillary Clinton walked into the office. I really didn't know her, had never met her, really didn't know that much about her, just that she came along with Bill Clinton. I was nice. I asked if I could get her coffee or something. I asked her what she was doing there. She said, you know, I can't stand being in Arkansas anymore knowing the White House is waiting. So I went along with my routine. And when it was time to do the radio feed, I went to put the 
plug inside the phone. And as I was turned around, I felt someone pressed up against me. I knew it could only be one person. There was only one person there beside me. I did nothing. I didn't even turn around and look. I just froze and waited for it to stop. I let her do what she wanted to do and I waited. After it was all over, I didn't know what to do. I couldn't use the phone there. It was taking the radio feed. There were no cell phones. So I just walked around the streets of New York City. I walked and walked. I walked for five hours until Bergdorf Goodman opened. That was a long time ago, but I'm still not over it. It's so traumatic that I've never even told my husband. I have to speak up. I have to say something. So now I'm saying it. Hillary groped me. You have a right to be heard and you have a right to be believed. We're with you. So there you have it. Um, interesting timing on that on that info dump. It came in uh, nine parts, and I haven't got through all of it, but I did want to share that with you guys. And those of you on the Telegram page, uh, you have access to all nine of these, along with uh, a lot of the other stories that uh, we have been talking about, and and just various assortments of interesting stuff. And I welcome all of you. Uh, the one thing I've done is uh, everybody that's there now, I've changed you, uh, I've changed your status over to administrator. So you can post there. Uh, you can put anything you want up on that page. I actually welcome it. And as you can tell, uh, I, I, this is the platform that I myself am starting to really tip towards. I think it's it's going to replace Facebook uh, and Twitter, obviously. Um, but it's, uh, I just like the freedom with it. Uh, you have, it's basically an open chat forum where you can share information uh, and there is no question of censorship. Uh, we can share whatever the heck we want on this platform, no matter how, uh, how much big tech or government's going to not like it, they cannot restrict it. So that's hence why I'm, uh, I'm so excited over telegram and I'm glad that a lot of you are over there now. Um, but, uh, just, just so everybody is aware it's Canadian Patriot radio on telegram. Uh, what, if you have the Telegram app and you are having trouble finding it, just reach out to me on Facebook at Canadian Patriot Radio, um, and I will I will send you the link. Um, I will po I'll probably post it again uh, uh, periodically, just so everybody can get over to that platform and we can all just share ideas and uh, you know let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods of Canada. Let me know how you're dealing with the lockdowns. Uh, as you can tell from this show, we like to cover. Um, all our patriotic brothers and sisters if you got stories that you want to share i encourage you to use you can use you can use facebook but i i really like the telegram format and now some of you are finding it and it's it's going to be good um like i said I, it's just it's exciting to see some of you there 
Um, and uh, I encourage everybody, uh, even the deepest, darkest stuff you're researching, put it there. Like the show says, uh, we do our very best to tackle conspiracy and completely strip the theory right out of it. <laughs> so I don't care how out there. If you want to talk about aliens, um, uh, I'm not a big flat earther, but if you are and you think you've got evidence, well then shit, share it. <laughs> I like all of it. I like every every crazy out there uh, theory that you can come up with. This is the page that I like to see it all. And, uh, you know, this show was always directed towards that side, even though we are covering mainly political corruption. Uh, there will come a time when we want, we will get into some of the, you know, some of the more out there topics. Like I've, I've been, I've been, since I started this show, I've been wanting to do a, t- uh, a complete show on cloning, but there's just been so much, so much, of stuff going on in the world right now that just keeping up with the madness has kind of diverted, you know, the original plan, which was to cover some of these, uh, these crazier topics and, uh, you know, discuss the possibilities of, of, you know, what, what, uh, what is truly going on? Another one, another one that fascinates me that I, I want to talk about too, probably dedicate more than one show, uh, besides cloning is, uh, you know, secret space programs and, uh, uh, black, black projects. Um, you know, that's something I've delved v- really deep into is, is the black projects and, uh, you know, the technologies, the, su- uh, the suppressed technologies that are, that are actually present on the world, uh, in the world, and have been for quite some time. And, you know, we've talked about a few of them. You know, one of them is the Stan Myers water car. Um, you know, alternative, alternate fuels, uh, zero point energy, all that stuff. I'm fascinated by all of it. So on the Telegram page, make sure that that's where you're putting that stuff, guys, because... Uh, guys and gals, um, because that's the, that's where we can openly discuss that and not have to worry about big brother, uh, big tech brother saying, Oh, you're going too far. That's it. And if you don't like Facebook and you don't like telegram or any of the other social media platforms, then you can just email me. Uh, it's Canadian Patriot radio at gmail.com and feel free to use that. A lot of you do. And I appreciate it. Um, so there's numerous ways to reach out to me. Uh, if you've got stuff you want to share, by all means do it. Or if you just want to chit-chat and say hello. Some of you have uh, messaged me. And there's a, few, a couple of messages I've, I've noticed that I, I never got back to you. I'm sorry to those guys that I, I missed the, the messages. Um, I, will, uh, I will get back to you, so don't stress. <laughs> uh, other than that, my friends, uh, this is the, that is the end of the show, as you can tell. Um, so, yeah, another good, good one. Good to spend an hour with you guys. Um, Until next time, with all thy sons, command. joining us for another episode of Canadian Patriot Radio. CPR is not filmed before a live studio audience. If you like the show, friends, make sure you give us a thumbs up and share us on all your social media platforms. Until next time, take care.